How we doing, everyone? Tim from Ski Rex Media, of course, with the Ski Rex Media Podcast, because who else would it be? There's nobody else here. I am not a team. I am a me. There is a mean team, but it's not real. Anyway, not really the point. This week, we're going into something that I know nothing about, very little, which is one of the reasons we're doing the Ski Rex Media for me is a learning experience. You know, I got to learn more about this industry. And I think we've covered enough Alpine. I think we've covered enough snowboarding, skiing. All right, maybe not the Telemark guys. We haven't covered a lot for them, but we'll get to it. In any case, today we are going to talk cross-country skiing. It's going to be awesome. We have someone who actually knows what they're talking about, which is awesome because you know that I don't. And even when I do, the memory is shot, so it seems like I don't know what I'm talking about. Before we get into that, we have to get into the fact that this podcast is brought to you in part by Whaleback Mountain. I love Whaleback Mountain. It's my home mountain for alpine skiing since we're talking cross-country skiing today we might as well make the distinction alpine skiing whaleback mountain awesome very easily to get very easily to get to makes no sense it's very easy to get to exit 16 off i-89 easy to find it's like the only thing there i mean yeah there's a gas station or two but the big draw is the mountain a lot of fun a lot of terrain some of it natural maybe a little bit of it groomed there's lights you can ski there at night the ticket is cheap now an Indy Pass allied partner, and we're going to be talking Indy Pass today as well. Whaleback Mountain, awesome. I love it. Can't say enough about it. Anybody I've brought up there loves it. Check it out. Exit 16, Enfield, New Hampshire. Ski it to believe it. Whaleback Mountain. Now we move on because we talked about Indy Pass, and we'll get to that, and we'll get to what Doug Fish said and all this and that. I actually talked to him a week ago, which is fun. But no, we have Reese Brown today, sir. How are you doing? I am doing great. Great to see you. And- Excellent. Thank you, sir. Now, Reese Brown, tell us what you do so they know that you know what you're talking about. So I, like many in the cross-country world, came from an alpine background. But now, since uh, about the turn of the century, I've been 100% into cross-country. I am the executive director of the Cross-Country Ski Areas Association. And with that, not only do we manage um, and, and work with all the ski areas in the country and Canada, but I also work with all the suppliers. We have a media, or excuse me, a, a research arm. So there's a lot, to pretty much everything that involves cross-country skiing. You certainly are, and that's even more than I realized. I thought it was just the ski areas, but you said the equipment suppliers, manufacturers, I assume I saw on the website, which there are two, I believe I saw, we'll get into that as well, um, but the, the manufacturers and stuff, like you are it. Like, are you the big uh, association nationally, or are there others? Now, I'm not saying competitively, I'm just saying. We are, for, for cross-country ski specific, we are the association. And they're really, you know, we're a small side of, of snow sports. So, you know, when you talk cross country, it's easy to do it all together. And, and so as I'm kind of so involved with cross country, these suppliers are a big part of what we do. They're members of my association, but also it's important for me to know what's going on on the supply side so that I can advise my ski areas. Uh, when I talk to other media, it's good to know what's happening on that supply side as well as what's happening on the cross country ski side. So it all relates to each other. Uh, that's awesome. I love it. I, I believe in keeping everything as closely knit and as efficient as possible because Lord knows some things just aren't as efficient as they could be. So with cross-country skiing in that you are a smaller organization and association that you can keep it all that tightly knit, is cross-country, and again, this is coming from me not knowing anything. I don't know anything. I, last time I cross-country skied was in my senior year for gym class, PE, and I've been out of high school for a minute. That was in 96, 97 winter. That was the last time I've done it. I've been looking to get more into it. Is it more or less popular than Alpine? Because you did say it's a smaller thing, and is that what you meant? Yeah, I, according to 
the research that's been done, there are less people that participate in cross country than Alpine. Okay. Um, and so that's fair. Maybe it's, you know, I'd say roughly half, uh, half as big. But, you know, since COVID, we've seen just a, a tremendous number of new people coming to the sport. And you mentioned that you haven't skied since the, the 90s or a turn of the century. Also, yeah. um, you know, I would say try it again for the first time because the equipment is different. The grooming is different. The ski areas are different. Um, you know, much like Alpine, there's been a tremendous amount of innovation in the equipment. And the that, that learning experience is far better than it's ever been. So I would highly suggest you. Absolutely. I want to. I, I've been thinking about it for a couple of years. And as you said, with many outdoor sports, not just snow sports, but during the pandemic, everybody wanted to get outside all of a sudden. And we saw growth in everything. For a while, you couldn't find a, a bicycle anywhere. Nobody had them. Uh, skis, the same for alpine downhill snowboards, cross country. Again, don't know a lot, but did hear that if it, got, if it was put on the shelf, it was gone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that, that right when COVID was was hitting, uh, what were we, 2020 in that May, when we started to see what was happening in outdoor bikes is when, you know, I started to call suppliers and say, you know, hey, wait a minute, you know, I think there's going to be a ski season. And I think we're going to have a lot of people that are going to be looking to go cross-country skiing because we're naturally socially distant because we've got six-foot skis on our feet. Sure. Um, you know, it's a perfect outdoor, really it's a perfect outdoor sport for a pandemic like that. Um, and we don't have a lot of the choke points that, that Alpine has. So it's really, it's really interesting. You know, going back to that participation, it's been, it, as I always say, I'm a snow sport enthusiast. You sure. Know, I Alpine ski, I have snowboarded, I don't do much anymore. I yeah. cross-country ski, I snowshoe. So you do it all, you know, and it's like we live, we're lucky to live here in Vermont, so we have access to the outdoors and we're generally covered in snow. So it's great to do a little bit of everything and you don't have to be buttonholed into, well, I'm an alpine skier and that's all I do. You know, it's like, no, no, you're a snow sport person. You love it all. Maybe this is where you gravitate to mostly, but it's, you know, it's another one of the, the tools to have in your car and your quiver of of toys that you're going to use over the course of the winter. And I think that's what we're really seeing now. Those Alpine people who may, maybe they couldn't get a reservation at a mountain during COVID or they were concerned, which we definitely had a lot of people. And they're like, you know what, I'm going to try this. And we saw just a lot of people in Alpine garb coming into the cross-country ski areas and trying and going, hey, this is not what I thought it is. This is really quite fun and I'm going to come back. So really, it's been quite exciting. I like that you put it that way, because um, I say, and I drive the idea that, A, snow sports are for everyone, which is something people talk about a lot now, inclusion and whatnot, but there's no need to hate, throw shade, as the kids say, any of this stuff, talk trash, whatever it is, about anyone who does it differently, whether you're alpine and then one of its sub-genres or sub-disciplines, or you're a cross-country person and one of its, good, I don't even know if there are sub you know, because you got your telemark people, your, you know, your, your typical traditional alpine people and so on and so forth. And then snowboarders and then this and then uphill, which is a whole other thing that I know nothing about. Um, but I like that you said, like you for yourself and for me, you know, I'm just like, do it. Just get out there. Well, it's also, you know, I, I, I like it to riding a bike. Mm -hmm. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, riding bikes easy. I can't cross-country ski. That's hard. I'm like, well, wait a second. Let, let's break it down. You know, can you ride the Tour de France? No, that's really hard. But you can take your pink bike with the streamers off the handlebars and ride it around the neighborhood. That's not so hard. The same, the same for cross-country skiing. You can go out and bang out, you know, 20K and get an incredible workout. Or you can go out there with your dog or your kids or your buddies and go out for a half a K slide around and then go get a beer 
So it's all kind of how you want the experience to be. And, you know, for me, I love the solitude of going out with a few friends and then being in the woods and then going and have a beer, you know, or sit around the outdoor fireplace or go get some food. So it's, it's you know, it is a lifestyle as much as anything else. I think, um, you know, we've all seen it at the Olympics where the athletes fall down at the finish line, you know, but it's a part of the sport. Same thing with the guys on the Tour de France. They climb out the west, they're wasted. Sure. But you don't have to be wasted on your little cruise around town, you know, your 20-mile bike ride. The same can be said for cross-country. You figure out what you like, um, you know, what part of it you like or how long you want to go, and you're great. And I will say something else. Skating has brought a whole new element to cross-country skiing where it is fast, it is exciting. People, you know, who think, oh, it might be boring. It's like, there is. Nothing boring when you're on a skinny little ski and cruising at 20 or 30 miles an hour. So it's worth trying. All right. You know what? Then that's where we're going to go next because I was going to get into how these places run because as it sounds like to me, it's just like an alpine ski day. You know, you, you don't have to, you know, I mean, there's people you're going to overhear them say, if you're not on the doubles, double blacks all day, you're not really doing it. If you're not on bumps all day, you're not really doing it. It's whatever, dude. If you want to ride cruisers all day, that's where I am. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I'll go to a black somewhere and, you know, play around, but I like cruisers all day. That's what I do. The opera scene sounds exactly the same. Awesome. Whatever you want to do. The difference now, you brought up skating, and I've seen it now. Again, scene. Don't know what I'm talking about. Difference between skating and classic. What does all that mean? So classic was how cross country scene was originally conceived, you know, several hundred years ago, and and that was that kind of you know shuffling along, kick and glide, that sort of thing. And then Bill Cope really was the one who kind of pseudo invented um, the skating, and it's more like ice skating, um, that type of thing. Or for an alpine person, when you're trying to get to the lift and you skate up to it, sure. you know, it's that motion, except you're doing it on cross-country skis. So it's a, you know, it's a different technique. It would be like slalom and GS, sort of like that, you know, something that's different. You use different equipment, sure. um, different technique, and it all depends what you want. General, generally, people start with a classic. It's considered easier to learn. Um, it's a little, it can be slower. They've got the waxless skis that, um, that give you really good stability. Um, and then frequently people you know, we'll spend their time uh, on classic and say, okay, you know, I think I want to try that skating. It looks pretty cool. And so we've seen a lot of people take skate lessons the last couple of years and really get into that part of the sport. Interesting. And I assume that's got to have a little bit more adrenaline. Once you start putting more muscle into something, you start picking up speed. Of course, now it becomes an action sport, which all winter and snow sports are anyway. Sounds great to me. Now, for people, for those of us who have seen it, like, again, we live in Vermont, so you see it and you, you know, if you'd be striving down the road, you just look out into a field, you'll see someone uh, moving along. Um, the classic, that's when... As we see it, that's the two tracks that are just running straight through the snow. And then to the left or right, I don't know if that matters. It's the wider, and that looks more like a groom tail, like we're, we've seen on, <clears throat> excuse me, Alpine. Right. I mean, they groom for both. So there is something called a track setter. So they're going to put the corduroy down, and then they're going to put the two grooms in the snow for your classic person. Okay. So they do groom for both. And much like Alpine, when you're learning to go to a to go to an actual ski area where they've got good grooming will help your learning curve dramatically. It's like going on your backyard on your Alpine skis, you know, on the hill. It's it's fun and you tromp around, but it's really hard to turn frequently unless unless you're in Utah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so so you know, much like Alpine. Grooming is a huge component of it, and the ski areas spend a ton of money and a ton of time uh, and a lot of education to get the groomers up to speed. And they've got piston bullies and pre-nos just like the alpine areas. 
albeit they're a little bit smaller, but still it's a snow cat. They've got uh, a variety of grooming uh, implements, but it does make the sport easier to learn. Um, it does make it generally a better experience for those people that are less. Sure. Now, I had no idea you could groom the tracks. Like, I, I mean, I've seen the groomers and, you know, of all different types. I, I, you know, I've seen some of the smaller ones that I assumed were used for XC, saw them more in the snowmobile world, but they're all basically the same apparatus, the same vehicle. That's what they are. And it's very cool. And it's great that you're actually able to groom that for noobs, people like myself, people who have never done it, who are interested. So I think we should get into that then. Uh, next is actually, what would it take to learn? Oh, great question. Great question. Um, I would always suggest go to a ski area first. Don't take the skis that your grandfather left you 20 years ago with the boots that are half eaten by a rodent of some sort. The equipment has changed, as I said earlier. It's changed dramatically, and the boot fit is better. The boots are warmer. They work better. The skis are more stable. Um, the interface for the boot and binding and ski is much, much better. So I would highly suggest go somewhere, rent a, rent a current piece of equipment, and take a lesson. You know, you don't need to take a lot of lessons, but take that introductory lesson um, so that you get just the basics. And then like anything else, you, you, you learn a couple of things, then you go out on your own and you practice. Sure. Uh, and then you progress and you're like, okay, I think I'm good, don't need another lesson, or, you know, I'd like another lesson because this isn't quite working. So that would be my suggestion. I'd also suggest do it with some friends. You know, it's a social sport. Make it fun. Bring your dog, whatever you want. Um, but I, I think that's the best way to learn. And then once you started and you're like, okay, I really like this. Um, now I want to invest in a pair of skis. They've got packages, much like they have in Alpine. Um, they're considerably less expensive. They work great. Sure. Not a lot of maintenance needed other than just a little wax. And so, you know, you can progress through that. And your ski, your um, your ski area should be able to, uh, will be able to direct you and help you build through that process. But I definitely think it's better to go to that ski area, go to a groom track, have somebody teach you that's not your girlfriend. <laughs> It's like Alpine. Either. Yeah, yeah. Keep it simple, and then you can go out. Totally. I I say about Alpine all the time. People are like, should I let my friends teach me? I was like, you can, but I say pay for it. And I mean, I've taught one of my friends. Only did it once successfully, and I don't even think I taught him that well. Let someone who knows what they're talking about. Like, yeah, I can ski. Of course I can. But let someone who knows what they're talking about. So... Coming over from Alpine then, as you say, well, actually, before I get into that, it sounds like cross-country ski areas are no different than an Alpine ski area. And I don't know if people realize there are actual cross-country ski areas, not you just go buy your skis wherever you get them, used or new, head down to your state park, local park, city park, and then you just go. But there are actual, honest to goodness, a lot more than I realized. And one I'm going to bring up when we get to Indy Pass that I had no idea was there. But th th these are honest to goodness ski areas. Yeah, no, they are. It's it's a whole industry, much like the alpine industry. Um, there's, you know, four to five hundred uh, cross country ski areas in the country, so a large number. They vary from golf courses to state parks uh, to apple orchards to, to you know to to facilities that are tied to alpine areas. Also, sure. Um, so there's a variety of different of different types. Um, generally, and, and, and the other thing I would say is the the amenities that they offer vary much like a veil is one cal caliber of experience and, you know, well backs a little different. So sure. there's differences like that uh, in cross-country ski areas, but most, if not all of them, rent skis, have instructors, 
have some kind of food uh, product and have a repair facility. So generally, it's one one stop shopping for everything that you need. And and you know, as I said earlier, there's there's generally a small than Alpine. You don't get quite as many people, which is great because your parking issues are not the same. Your bathroom issues are not the same. You know, that you don't have those kind of choke points that you find so much in Alpine. Sure. And we see a lot of people, as I mentioned, coming over from Alpine, specifically when there's a wind hold on the mountain um, or if it's one of those super cold days and people don't want to, you know, sit up in the air in a chairlift. Cross-country skiing sounds pretty good in those days. It does. And and you're not wrong. There are places, uh, the first one that comes to mind that you can do both within two seconds of each other is like Waterville Valley, for instance, also on the Indy Pass. And that would be four days at in Waterville Valley to each, uh, Doug told me. So there you go. It doesn't cut into your two um, for the Indy Pass users out there. I know there's a lot of them. I am myself. But with that said, like you said, people are trying to come over from Alpine does any of the technique obviously we said the skate from like you're trying you're going from the rack to the lift that's a similar technique does any of the technique translate both ways or either way i would say absolutely um you know you're if you're standing on your ski you've got your fore and aft um uh flexing so in your boot obviously in the alpine boot you've got that big stiff back which a cross-country ski doesn't have sure but much like alpine you want to be centered on your ski and then there's the edging, you know, much, much like we don't, we don't have, a, a, there are some cross-country skis with metal edges, but most of them don't have that. But still, you use that edge to, you know, to, to grip a little bit and to either step in your turns or that sort of thing. So I think there's a lot of similarity of poles in your hands. You know, it is different, but similar. So if you're an alpine skier, I, I would say you have a leg up on, on learning in cross-country. So yeah, I mean, I would suggest do it, try it. Give it a shot because it can't. In fact, you you did make a quick comment about how it's actually cost less. Yes, all all around, like from ticket to gear to what have you. Yeah, I um I never use the word cheap. I would say it's a tremendous value. Sure. Uh, and and again, if you're an alpine person, you know I've I've heard anecdotally from many uh, many of the skiers like, oh yeah, you know this person from alpine came in and a package of a complete package of cross country gear. You know that we had that we were talking about was three hundred ninety nine dollars, and he's like, I can't even buy an Alpine pair of boots for that, and this is everything. So, you know, it is a great value. Is it going to replace Alpine? No, people yeah. still want Alpine. I still want Alpine, sure. But, um, but it's definitely something for those that are cost conscious. It's a great way to get into it, uh, get into snow sports, and then go somewhere else, perhaps. Um, and the the trail passes and the and the season passes are far less expensive, also. Cool. And again, we in in Alpine that over the last couple of years, the cost has been one of the biggest issues. That's what people always bring up. And that's why everybody has gone for, you know, Indie Pass, Icon, Epic, Mountain Collective, what have you, or Mountain Specific Passes, smaller places like at Whaleback, I, 200 bucks. I got that already. So for the season, that's nothing compared to some and day tickets now. I mean, our big guy here is Killington, you know, on some days on a weekend, that's 130 bucks. Uh, I don't think you're going to see that at any uh, ski touring place, whether it be Nordic. Uh, is Nordic in cross country the same thing? That one's for me. Okay. <laughs> one of the confusing about our industry is we have a lot of words that say the same thing. So <laughs> yeah, that one is for me because I read it and I'm like, wait, is there a difference in technique, a difference in equipment, something? You know? Yeah. In fact, yeah, I see it mostly, and I don't know if it's the recreational versus. Um, pro but you watch pro whether it be olympics or national whatever it is ncaa whatever it is you see nordic they're used a lot and i was like are these different 
but obviously not. They're the same thing. Unless you're doing like biathlon, they put a rifle in your hand. That's a whole other thing. I was just saying, so you were you were mentioning mentioning costs, and and we hear this, you know, all the time in snow sports as well as every everything else. But people, you know, people think back in you know when their lift ticket was twenty dollars or whatever it was. They sure. go back in history, but. When you go to when you go to Disney, you're paying hundreds of dollars a day per person. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, the value is there in both Alpine and cross country. Um, you know, is it is it cheap? No, neither neither of them are. But is it a great value for the experience that you get? Absolutely. So um, I think like like with everything, there's a cost involved. But sure. when you compare it to other activities that you could be doing, it may not may not be as uh and i agree with that and there's always ways around it coming from the retail world i know that that 700 pair of skis say say november 1st on june 1st is going to be 100 bucks you know and i assume the, the retail is retail is retail so in cross country i'm sure it's the same you'll be able to it's not fashion kids you don't have to have the you know the seasons thing get the it's it's brand new use it it's fine um, or even if it's used, I don't know if that's something suggested. That's a toss up on, in any, in any kind of, um, sport that you do used versus new. Should you, you should never, or if you're going to get someone who knows what they're talking about. And I would assume cross country is the same. You know, I, yes, you know, there, there is definitely life after new for, uh, a lot of the equipment, but there are, there are two different binding systems. So you might buy this one boot that fits you and a ski that fits you, but the binding doesn't. Gotcha. Uh, so there's that sort of thing. Uh, I think also people are looking for, oh, you know, this is only $20. What a deal. But they're also 100 years old. It's not going to perform as well as the new equipment. It just isn't. Absolutely. You know, and, and so I think that's a challenge. You know, in Alpine, you've got bindings that start to get old. The springs loosen. You maybe don't want to be on them. We don't have that safety issue. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, again, don't use your grandfather's skis. They're just not going to work that way. And I agree. I mean, sure, used gear can get you, but if it, make sure you know what you're getting and if you know, ask somebody and and definitely ask your local shop too. They always have stuff kicking around they want to get rid of. One of my first purchase pairs of skis when I was a teenager, I worked at Mount Snow all through high school. They said, "Hey, we got some stuff never been used, been sitting in a closet for a year. Eighty bucks, they're yours." And I was like, "Well, I'll take them." You know, I knew everybody down at the shop anyway because I worked there. So. Absolutely. Ask around. And again, that's why we're here talking to Reese today, because I don't know a damn thing about it. And he does. So Tim is not your source for this, but I'm not really a good source for anything. That's okay, though. Details. It's fine. I can get up and come down without killing myself. You did say safety. Is the safety gear, excuse me, about the same as the helmets come on? We've seen that in about the last 25 years that it was the person, the one person on the mountain with the helmet was the weirdo. Now the one person without it is the weirdo. Um, chest protection, mouth protection, all this stuff. We've really upped safety over the years. I'm sure cross country's done the same. They have, but it's very different because we don't carry the speeds that Alpine does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't carry, we're, we're generally not on the icy hills that, that you can find here in New England and, and other mm-hmm. places. Uh, we don't wear helmets. Sure. Um, I don't think anyone's ever worn a helmet. Uh, maybe that's something coming in the future, but generally, you're not. As I said, you're not going that fast. Uh, a lot of our trails are in fields where there's nothing to hit. Uh, I'm not saying you aren't going to get hurt. People do get hurt. Uh, you can twist your ankle. You can hurt your knee. You know, you can get frostbite. You can do any of those things, but you're far less likely to hit something uh, than I think you are in Alpine. So, you know, is it 100 percent safe? Absolutely not. But 
it's safer than some of the other options. Yeah. And, and I mean, sports are dangerous anyway. It doesn't matter. Even if you play ping pong, you can lose an eye. So there you go. And, uh, you know, out there, you're going to look for, I would assume, the cold and like the knees, which we all, none of us have knees left, you know? Yeah. So uh, I will say it's less abusive to your body because you're not pounding pumps. Um, and frequently we hear that you get, you get the older alpine skiers who maybe they ski a couple hours in the morning and then go cross country skiing in the afternoon because it's just a lot easier on the body. Or those that have kind of aged out of alpine, if there is such a thing, sure. that now are just cross country because they're not going to hit anything. They're not going to get hit by anybody. Mm. Uh, yeah, aging out is definitely an interesting topic, especially if you talk to someone like Klaus Obermeier. Who, right. who's still he's still out there uh, as far as i know he's still very much alive at all under three or four or five whatever it is now with that said let's talk about because we've been talking about costs we've now talked about safety there and again there's always a different margin of safety like for you know if you're simple downhill skiing is dangerous enough then you got freestyle people and stuff like this is there even freestyle xc at all out there there are a few <laughs> events like that that are hilarious to watch um, there you go. But it's not a, it's not, there's not a discipline. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that, I had no idea. I, 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 I mean, I figured somebody's out there is going to do something because that's just the nature of the world, but it is what it is. Now, since we've been talking about cost, all these different mountains that are out there, I'm going to bring it back around now to passes. Now, for those who listen to the Skier X Media's podcast every week, now this, we're at the end of we're at the beginning of September. This is probably going to come out in the first week of October. I try to stay ahead of myself. Now, from debut time, in your time listening to this, you're listening to me and Reese talk now. Last week, you talked, listened to me and Doug Fish talk from the Indie Pass, founder of the Indie Pass, love the Indie Pass. Literally, today, I'm talking to Reese in real time, and I, one week ago, talked to Doug, and he was the one who brought up Reese Brown. Now, we had scheduled our thing long before that, but he was the one who brought you up. We talked about, you know, because Indy has something new every other day, it feels like, and their big thing now is the addition of the cross-country areas. How is that going to affect? So, I think it's a great, it's a great, um, it's a great thing for cross-country, and it's a great thing for those that have the Indy Pass. Um, for us being cross country, anytime we're included in an alpine conversation, it's a great thing. Sure. Um, and and you know, again, as I mentioned, since COVID has hit, we've seen so many alpine people come into cross country, and and not that they're only cross country skiing. Now they're doing both. Mm -hmm. And so the natural evolution for something like the Indy Pass is to include cross country because now you're creating more opportunity for your pass holders to uh, to continue to participate. Um, Doug has a you know interesting thing. There is a cross country specific pass for those that are only cross country skiers, but the Alpine pass will also be good at cross country ski areas. So either of those passes, you get two days at any of the participating ski areas. Uh, right now, we've got uh, you know 15 to 20, and we hope to get that number up to 30 to 40 by the time the snow flies. So nice. we're kind of we're pretty confident that we'll be able to do that, and I think it'll you know it'll grow much like the whole season pass conversation was very different 10 years ago it's very new to cross-country skiers now but um but those that are crossover understand it sure we're going to educate our cross-country skiers that this is you know really a great opportunity to um to try some different ski areas absolutely i that's one of the reasons i'm very excited to try this again this year i mean i've been using indy pass lat this will be my third season and now there's this whole other you know, this whole other aspect to it. And again, like, and I was talking to Doug about this, Doug Fish about this, the upper valley is just like ground zero for Indy Pass. You, within an hour, you have tons of Alpine stuff, but the Bolton 
and, and Magic and Jay and in Saskadena Six, the newly renamed Saskadena Six. For those who don't know, the uh, you know you go into Waterville and you go to uh, you know wherever it is. Burke is an ally. Whaleback's an ally. All this stuff doesn't matter. Indieskipass.com. Look them up, everybody. There's too many. In fact. I challenge anyone, I'll give you a free shirt if in person, uncoached, not cheating, you can recite all current 107, and now, to heck with it, well, I'll even give you, a, I'll double that, I'll give you a hat if you can add the XC ones in too, because I, I can't do it, Reese Brown, he worked with Doug to get this done, I bet you he can't even do it, <laughs> you know, because Doug will tell you straight up, he can't do it either, um, but he did. He said it was very. You were very instrumental in that. That the Cross Country Skier Association was very instrumental in the addition. He wasn't sure how it was going to work at first, but here it is. We're here. We're here, and and we're thrilled. I, like I said, I think it's a great. It's a great thing. I think it's. I think it's a win-win for not only the skiers but also the general public that wants to go skiing. You know, and we'll see. I, I know it'll be an evolution. It'll take a couple of years to catch on, and we'll continue to grow and and become more important with the Indy Pass. But I think uh, I think it's going to be a great. I think it is too, especially again with the you know as the multi mountain passes, the mega passes they're called have come up. You know they're. Doug and I were talking about it. it's very the Indy Pass option is very unique to XC and I said to him I was like I don't know is there another pass like that like say Epic Icon Indy Mountain Collective what have you you know he said he didn't think there was there there isn't uh, a couple states have uh, uh, reciprocal programs where if you've got a season pass at one ski area you can ski at the other ski areas within the state um, some states have a punch pass you can buy the punch pass for whatever. And that's good at participating skiers, but there's nothing, nothing like the Indy Pass, and no one, you know, previously had been successful. I think Doug's model, he proved it successful in Alpine. Crossing over to to cross country is not a big stretch at this point. Um, and again, it'll be great for the Alpine skiers that are now spending spending some time and hopefully more time in my cross country ski areas, and also could introduce some cross country people to Alpine. Absolutely. I think it'll go both ways. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to talking to people while I'm out there. Um, and again, with IndyPass, one of my favorite things is the smaller places, you never hear of them. You know, I mean, people know what magic is. People know what Bolton and Jay and whatnot are, um, but not everyone. What's West Mountain out there by um, Lake George? You know, people don't hear of these. Greek Peak, uh, you know, you name it. There's, again, too many to name. And, and I was just saying, those ski areas are great ski areas because they're not crowded, um, generally not crowded. So you don't have those, you know, any of the parking issues you might have at a big ski area, much like a cross-country center. It's it's a much uh, uh, less abrasive atmosphere. And um, I mean, I, I would absolutely hit much of those ski areas because they're awesome. Absolutely. I love them. I've been to more new places in the last two or three years that I've never been to. Especially as like when I was a kid working at Mount Snow, that's where I was. I was either there, Haystack, or Killington. They were all owned by the same place, the American Skiing Company back in the day, Les Lawton. Um, and now I have gone to so many different places. And again, Upper Valley, I don't have to go very far. You know, coming out to Reese's office, 15 minutes. Going out to Saskadena, 20 minutes, you know, and so on around the bend up to an hour, maybe two or three. I can get more mountains in the same time it takes a New York City person to come up here to go skiing. They get four hours, they hit Mount Snow, that's where they're stopping. In four hours, I have more choices with the Indy Pass that I know what to do with. And now with this, come here to Woodstock and cross-country ski, which looks like the thing I, 
I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna end up missing something and it's gonna be I'll come back to it. So we might now now's the point where even though Tim has his notes, we might be going around in circles, which is fine because my head's just spinning. Um well, all right, let's get to that part first then. Because you don't hear about these places, because you don't know about these places, there could be a place you didn't even know was there. Um, in my case, I lived in New Jersey, down the shore, Ocean County, down by, we, we talked about Disney, we might as well talk about Six Flags too, down by Great Adventure, down in uh, Jackson, New Jersey. I had been to high, up by High Point a hundred times, at least in the Delaware Water Gap area. I never knew there was a cross-country ski center, an actual one. Like, if you go to say like Brendan Byrne uh, State Forest State Park out along Route 70 between where I lived it's between the shore and Philly you they, they have multi-use trails that say hey you can cross country ski here but New Jersey though bitter cold doesn't get a lot of snow so who knew I mean you know about uh Mountain Creek people know about that especially if you live in New York City until big snow went in that's where you went the High Point Cross Country Center who knew that was there it's a great place and they've got snow making they've got Great equipment, uh, super nice staff. Yeah, and it's like you said, it's right there. What less than an hour from downtown Manhattan, so it's a uh, it's a it's a great location. And of course, one of the IndyPass participating skiers. So yeah, absolutely. And and it's amazing because again, that is when one of the biggest things about inclusion is we're so far away from everything. Like New York City, you know, so many people might want to do it. Then again, they might not. I don't know. But you know, they have to go so far to do this stuff and now again like big snow you don't have to go so far now you know that there's cross country right there go get it like go get it it was funny i said the same thing to doug i was like who knew that was there and his words were i kid you not you heard it last week if you listened reese brown knew it was there (laughs) i was like all right then the man knows that's you know that's one of the fun things about snow sports also is getting out and and hitting different areas you know the xcski.org has a listing of ski areas by state so you can search if you're going somewhere maybe going somewhere for work um trying to think somewhere in the midwest say and you're like oh you know let's go see what's going to be near me because i'm going to be there anyway and maybe i'll take an f today and and go ski so it's uh it's you know and it's fun to try different areas Absolutely. I You never know what you might find. And I've never, that's a lie. I've been to one ski area I don't like, and I'll just leave it nameless. It's, and it was, it could have just been the day. I sw- it could have been the day, but it, it was just, and people love it. And it's now uh, at least operated by Vail. I don't know if it's owned by them, whatever. And people love to hate them now. That's like the big deal. Uh, it needs to stop. Like I'm trying, not even trying to bring up the V word this year. Like I just don't care anymore. Do what you got to do, but you know it, 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 it's 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 about for me in part it's about the travel. You know, seeing different places, finding different things, and you always find something you like, and you never know who you might bump into. You know, you t- you talk about the lifestyle of the sport. You know, I, it's like we're lucky enough to live in Vermont, but we live here for a reason because we not only love Vermont and we love to be close to skiing, but all of our friends are skiers. You know, all the people you meet, it's, uh, the stores are cool. It's just, you know, I'm thinking we live in Woodstock or Pick Stowe or Pick Waterville or any of those things. They've got cool coffee shops. They've got great lunch spots. They've got great dinner spots. It's like it's all part of it. Yeah, we're skiers, but we also need to eat. We need to sleep. Uh, we love coffee. We love craft beer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and that's something that I always talk about when I'm talking about cross-country skiing is like, those are your people and you all drink wine, drink beer, eat food, and you can do all of that while you're participating or you know, in and around what you're doing. 
So it's it's just it's like you know it's like a golfer does golf things. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the thing about Woodstock now, here's the thing: people will tell you straight up, I've bad mouthed Woodstock. Haven't really bad mouthed it. What I bad mouthed was the traffic, because for a little town, it is a very popular place. You see the same thing in like Stowe. You see the same thing down in Wilmington. In any small town that has a name, it's it's really not that big of a deal. I make jokes fine, um, but again, I lived in New Jersey. I know what traffic is. I've driven in Seattle. They have a whole new definition of traffic in that city, let me tell you. Um, but all in all, this is a really cool place to come because not only now you got Saskadena 6 up the road um, in Pomfret, 10 minutes up the road, not even. Um, and then also run by the Woodstock Inn, and correct me if I'm wrong about that, Woodstock Inn not only runs that, but they run the Nordic Center here as well. See, so they've got you covered and at some point, I think that all that was owned with the old Mount Tom, or what, was it Mount Tom? Yeah, it was Mount Tom, um, which the only thing left of that is the cut trails and the old footings for the um, lift there that are way up by the, um, actually, they're right next to the one uh, warming shack, aren't they? Yeah. Side, it's kind of the backside of, of six. Yeah, you go, you go up through uh, Marsh Billings Rockefeller and you go up through there. Also, um, snowshoeing and in Nordic up there as well. You can... You can get lost for days, I feel like, here. And when I've looked at, in prepping for this, I've looked at a few different trail maps. And, you know, we talk about in, um, you know, you, you've spoken about in Alpine, you know, length of runs and this many acres. And you say, wow, that's a lot. But then go look at these uh, Nordic and cross-country trail maps. They dwarf, I feel like, in many ways, the amount of skiing that you would get. If you were to go kilometer to kilometer, like you would just be, you could get out there and just go for days on cross country. No, you're right. You're right. And it, I mean, it's, it's much like you've got those huge ski areas, but when you think about it, it's like, okay, you go to Killington, how many of those trails are you actually going to ski? Yeah. You've got your six or seven or whatever it is. And same thing with cross country. You've, you know, you've got a hundred K out there. You're not going to ski a hundred K. You're going to ski, you know, whatever it is you're going to ski. And you've got your favorite trails. I like those turns. I like the hills. I like whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I, and again, going back to your smaller ski area, they have maybe less trails, less, you know, less vertical, um, less cross country trails, but that's okay. That's okay. Absolutely fine. You'll have plenty of fun. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I was shocked. I looked at Waterville right before I came over here just because I knew offhand it was one of the ones on the Indie Pass that offered both. You get two days for both. And I'm looking at the map and I didn't realize at first, like I thought when I looked at it, it was in and around the mountain. So it didn't seem so big. And then I actually looked at the trail map. I was like, oh, there's the mountain and there's the, it, it's just the entire town. You can get around the entire town if you wanted to. You don't need your car. You don't even need your Tesla if you're doing, going that way, which I love those. I would love to have one. Um, but if you're electric or gas, you don't have to waste power or juice or nothing because you could literally strap them on and go. Right, skeeted in. It's it's beautiful. It's ridiculous. And um, if take your dog, do the ski joring. People, I mean, I've I've never seen it in person, but I've seen the videos of the horses they do out in like Wyoming. That looks ridiculous. That's a whole thing. It is wicked cool. I was like, dude, that's a whole new. I got to get out there and see that. But I've seen people do it with their dogs too. They strap them on and let their you know big giant dog drag them for a little while, which is good for the dog, I guess. Good for everybody. So now with cross-country and again accessibility has many different subcategories we talk about cost 
Um, and as recent I both said, you know, for what you get, for what you versus what you pay for, plus what you know, if you if you know, you know, and you can get around some of those costs, bring them down. Um, and um, excuse me, so you can bring down costs, and it's cheaper relatively to Alpine anyway. Not a cheap sport, just cheaper. Um, so you have that, but again, they're everywhere. Just like you said, you mentioned about what four or five hundred, I think you said. Yeah, that's at least a hundred to one hundred fifty more than Alpine mountains. So everywhere you want to go, um, is there? If you were, um, well, uh, I I've done interviews with a, uh, a a woman from Vermont Adaptive. Is there any of that at the adaptive level sports? Ooh, excuse me. Absolutely. Um, serve ski area. You know, I would not say that every ski area has a capability, but there are sit skis for cross country. Uh, you know, they cross country participates in the in the Paralympics, so there is a complete program there um, for sure. And people are racing with you know one arm if they have it, no arms if they don't, in a sit ski. Um, so yeah, there's a whole adaptive component. It's funny. The more we talk, the longer we talk. Aside from like technique, where it is cost um whatever the manufacturers do you know which i I assume is basically the same when it comes down to the actual manufacturing process the same materials are used and things like this there it's the it's the same thing you're used to you're just asking your shop person i want this instead of that that's awesome it it makes it I, i think really accessible for those of us who don't do it like i said the last time i did it was in the late 90s for pe now, some city folks said, wait, you did cross-country skiing in gym class? I'm like, we did cross-country skiing in gym class. And, uh, I mean, we hey, we had snowmobile parking at our school. You know, it's just from being a Vermonter and a New Englander. It's a whole other thing. It's very, very cool. Um, is there any place you would suggest, Indy Pass Not, doesn't matter, um, specifically, like, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite or just, just awesome? <laughs> um, so you mentioned cool. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that's that's nice about Alpine is that ski in, ski out. And, and you mentioned you drive in, you park your car, and you don't use it for a couple days, <laughs> which I personally love. There's a, there's a ski area out in Montana called Lone Mountain Ranch that has those little cabins, and every little cabin is right on the trail. Um, and then they've got uh, a main lodge and dinner and a bar and all that stuff. But every cabin is on the trail. And every cabin has a little fireplace in it. And they're, you know, very uh, well-appointed cabins. They're very nice. Nice. Uh, you know, and they're super cool. So you can go out at night because the trail's right there. You leave your skis on your porch because who's going to take them? There's no cars there. They're all parked in the parking lot. You know, um, things like that is super cool. There's some really nice high-end guest ranches that have, um, you know, golf in the summer, angling in the summer, cross-country skiing, alpine skiing, uh, you know, exquisite fine dining, uh, beautiful accommodations. Same thing. Cross-country skiing is a big part of what they do. Um, Those are amazing. There are um, small Vermont ski areas that are just tucked in the woods that you would never know were there. Kind of looks like somebody's house. Um, And you could get some home cooking, you know, home chili there or something like that. But it's a super cool experience because, you know, the mother, the father, the kids are all involved in the business. And it's kind of like staying in a bed and breakfast. That's awesome. There's really cool, and then there's some big, big cross-country ski areas that are tied to some, you know, fancy lodges. Uh, Also super cool, you go to the Metau Valley, they've got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of 
of skiing just from many, many different points, uh, you know, miles away. Sure. So there's all, you know, much like Alpine, there's so many different things, uh, so many different types. It's worth doing some research to find out what type of experience you want or if you want to go just do something totally different. Uh, there, it's amazing. And the food frequently can be outstanding. Absolutely. I mean, get out there, find your resort, find your ski area. Do I mean, use the internet for what it was intended, research. Um, you can get out there, you know, buy your pass, buy just a day, definitely get lessons from someone who knows what they're talking about. And speaking about, you know, uh, again, coming back around, we are in Vermont, the two Indy Pass, and again, I'll do this to Indy Pass just because that's what I've seen most recently. Um, you got the Woodstock Nordic Center here, and you got Rikert, that's in a different part of the state. Now, I know there's more, I've passed a few, I can't remember names, although I am talking to Dave Tibbetts, who had something uh, was part of Prospect back in the long ago. Um, and they have a Nordic center as well out there in Woodford. They do. They do. Beautiful. Um, it used to be an Alpine center. Yep. It was there actually this summer. Um, and super cool. I talked to them about the Indy Pass. They haven't jumped on it yet. Uh, they were they're doing they were doing a lot of uh, construction retrofitting this summer sure. when I was there. So I think they were uh, they were a little busy. Um, but Jackson, New Hampshire, is part not not in not in uh, Vermont, but still you know great ski area and and much to what Doug is looking for. He wants really good ski areas that are, just happen to be a little smaller, not quite you know not quite as big as some of the the conglomerates out there. Sure, uh, and that's what we're looking for. And we've got lots of character in our ski areas. I think so too. And the thing is that the the reason I like I, I wanted to bring up Prospect is because it's known now. Like I don't think they've had Alpine goodness since I was little little. Like I think that's shut down in the nineties, maybe even the eighties. I can't remember. I know a couple of years ago they sold off the tees from the from the tee bar. They did the whole thing, but they've repurposed the mountain. Like we talk here, uh, I've talked at Ski Rex Media about lost ski areas like you know the ones that are gone and you could pick out stuff like mount tom here in woodstock no one would know that was a ski area talk about snow valley down there in windhall between bromley and stratton i was down at um alpine mountain in pennsylvania got a whole tour of what's left there just rotting and rusting away it's very sad um but it feels like prospect has said well all right maybe we're not alpine but the mountain's not going to waste no and i was talking to steve who was the owner bought it from the previous owners, and then I think he sold it to the uh, nonprofit that runs it now. Sure, um, but he still mows the trails. Yep, he's like I'm gonna mow the trails once a year so that the uphill downhill guys have a great place to go. Sure, and they use some of those trails for the cross country. So it's it's you know multi-purpose. They've got a very big lodge. Um, you know, Ben Basing's an old Alpine lodge. Yeah, um, and they were doing as I said a lot of work in that this summer. Um, so it's a very cool spot and. It's really quite high in elevation. Mm-hmm. So they've got elevation. It's in a little bit of a snow belt, so they get really good natural snow. I mean, it's it's really a gem. It, it really is. The uh, For those, I went to Wilmington High School. That that was the school I graduated from. And Woodford is right next to Searsburg. And now the kids who would come down from high school, on days we would go, they were getting snow days. That's what it's like up there. In fact, that part of Route 9 is the only place in Vermont where chains are required for larger trucks. That's how much different the weather is than maybe the rest. And we talk about the higher places like Killington. They get a lot of snow. They're open until June. You go into the White Mountains. But oddly, this one little part of Vermont gets hammered every single year. And that's where Prospect is, which is why it was probably a great Alpine place. I don't know. That was before my time. But um, the fact that they're bringing it back around, they're like, all right, fine. We're not going to do this. We're going to do cross country. 
that's awesome yeah. to me. And they've got a ton of followers. I mean, they've a ton of people, you know, not ridiculous enough, but I mean, they get, there's a lot of people that go there just because it's right there and it's an awesome experience. Absolutely. And I, I definitely want to get down there and check it out again. I remember as a kid driving by between Wilmington and Bennington, it's just like, man, that's just seems like such a waste, but it was never wasted. It's continued to be used, which is, again, is very awesome. And I hope they continue. There's a lot of great snow up there. It's a really great place. Um, I think we'll do one more question here. I have one left and it's the goofy one, which is why I left it to the very end. This is a bit I did last year and the year before. And again, this is coming from someone who doesn't know what he's talking about, but my friends and I were not preppers, but we follow the idea of it. We like to look at it. We like to see what technology is coming. And I said, trying to just do a bit for Ski Rex Media. I was creatively bankrupt. I was like, you know what? Cross-country skiing is a prepper technique. 100% if the zombies come, the zombie apocalypse happens, you can outrun everyone and not need gas. What do you think about that? It's goofy, but... So no question. I mean, that's where cross-country came it came from. You know, it was like that biathlon. It was fighters. It was uh, the army up in the mountains. And skiing was the way to get away or get to places so that you could you could fight. So if you look at looking at something like that and you live in a place with snow, then absolutely you've got to get a jump on or your snowshoes so they're not poking poking through. So I would say, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You never know when the zombies are going to come shuffling out and you can outrun them and you can get everywhere and you don't need gas. You don't even need a horse. Actually, I do have two more now. The goofy one, it kind of stinks that I came up with them now because they weren't on my list. The first thing was you said, at Prospect, like at, at Prospect, for instance, they're still cutting the trails up there. Does any of the cross-country, I, mean, I assume it would, I know that uphill and touring involves skins, a different ski, your alpine ski, and so on. But again, like we said about the techniques anyway, it's got to be similar, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And there, there are heavy-duty um, cross-country skis that are not alpine touring. Uh, skis that are still free heeled with a beefy boot, uh, you know, beefy uh, non-skid, you know, uh, fish scales or and some of the mohair and those things, partial side edges that people use for that sort of um, skiing. So you're not going to go up the big mountains with this equipment, but you can go, you know, out in the woods or up some pretty rugged terrain with this equipment, and it gives you that ability to get off the beaten track, so to speak, and, and forge your own trail sure. without being stuck in, in heavy-duty plastic nice. plastic boots. So yeah, there's a that's a, a big piece of cross-country that's been growing dramatically. Plus, that wider ski with the edges uh, feels a lot more stable to several people, especially people, you know, starting out new or that are really scared of sliding. It's like, okay, get a more stable platform and you're going to feel a little. Sure. And my final question, um, I, I can't remember if I saw it on one of the websites for the Cross Country Ski Area Association or if I just saw it on the Woodstock Inn website. I'm not sure, but it was the the additions of or the inclusion of uh, snowshoeing and fat bikes. Um, now, snowshoeing, I've never done it, but at least I know what it is. Fat bike, I know what it is. Mostly, again, my retail days. I remember when these things first hit the market. They came into the store. I looked at this. I laughed. I was like, what is the point of this big fat tire? Like, uh, and then I actually started seeing them as beach cruisers at, you know, again, you lived in New Jersey at that time. So the people are riding them on the board. Oh, like, I get, I get it. Then I come home and I see people out on the trails doing it. Is that just a, just a, just a, not just, I guess an offshoot of cross country? Why is that? They, I feel like they were grouped together wherever I saw it. Now I can't remember where I saw it. Yeah. You probably you could have seen it both, both, both websites, ours and theirs. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, there are people that are absolutely terrified of sliding. 
you're taught all your life, don't slip on the ice, don't slip on the ice, don't slip on the ice, you know, you slip, don't slip, you get hurt. And so there are people that if you're not a snow person, that is absolutely terrifying. Yet you're in this beautiful setting, you want to do something. So snowshoes serve a very real purpose for that person who wants that crampon on the bottom, wants to go out and have an outdoor experience. You can go out with an instructor, you can go out in a group, you can go do tours with snowshoes. So it's absolutely something that is very heavily used at every cross-country ski area. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, and I would suggest try it, and especially where we are, you go out your back door, you know, crop around in the woods at night with your dog. It's awesome. Sure. Uh, so it's great experience there. And then fat biking also um, was, I, I don't actually know the origins of fat biking, but mm-hmm. someone came up with it and decided that cross-country skiers would be a good place to do it. And it is, you know, you've got a groomed trail, so you're not in, you know, six feet of snow. Uh, it's groomed. You've got the fat tire with low pressure, so it's very stable on the snow. And same thing, there's a lot of people that ride bikes and like, okay, now I can ride a bike in the winter without slipping or falling. Uh, this is a great thing. You can go up, you can go down, uh, et cetera. And the groomed trails make it that much easier. And there are times when the skiing might not be so good, but the fat biking is awesome. And likewise, there's times when the trail's too soft for fat biking, so they won't let those out, but the skiing's amazing. So it's a great kind of, you know, going to that cross-country center where you can snowshoe, fat bike, and cross-country ski. Yeah. And again, with the, with the, you brought up, you know, you can now ride in the winter and, you know, ride your bicycle in the winter, which you could do, but it always felt like to me when I would ride my bike in the winter time on the side of a road, it didn't, it felt a little more sketchy where now if you're out in a field, the only person you're going to hurt is yourself. And that's fine. Don't get hurt. That, wear your helmet. No on a, on a fat bike on snow. That's true. No road rash. You have to be cooking to get rashed. And uh, a few weeks ago, I talked to Jacob Perkins, a speed skier. He'll tell you all about it. It's very interesting. Very good, man. We just covered a lot of stuff, a ton of information. Um, If you need more information, I'll let Reese plug the website. No, no, our website is xcski.org. It's our consumer site, and it's got a wealth of information, how to get started, what the equipment is like, uh, and probably most importantly, a directory by state and province, because we include Canada, of uh, of where you can go ski, some of the best ski areas around, and it's got little blurbs on them, little pictures, so highly suggest you check that out. That's xcski.org. Absolutely. Remember that, .org, not .com, kids. And there was something I saw in that, speaking of cost, again, to bring it back around to that, there was a something... I get. It might not have been your website. Who knows where I saw it? A card that came with a package deal, three days somewhere. That's called the welcome pass. Uh, certain retailers have that. If you buy a package, you get the card where you can take to participating ski areas and get three free days to go use your new equipment. So yeah, it's a great, great benefit. Wicked good benefit. Sounds like a lot of fun. It's definitely a good workout. I remember that from back when I could, you know, work out for more than five minutes at a shot. It's a wonderful, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to try again. I'm doing it because of the Indie Pass, but then at xcski.org, check it out, find something in your area, find something you can get to, and you know, go to those, those, uh, um, those ski areas' websites, and you'll probably find deals there too. Always scroll to the bottom of the main page. That's where you'll find the deal. Um, I have a story about that with Killington, but anyway, well, Pico, but six of one, half a dozen. Well, thank you, sir. I do appreciate it. Reese Brown, Cross Country Ski Area Association Executive Director. Thank you very much, sir. And I, of course, am Tim from Ski Rex Media. Please go to SkiRexMedia.com for all any any and all information about Ski Rex Media, whether it be the social media, whether it be the Patreon. Check that out. Episodes are available early 
if you are a Patreon subscriber, check that out. Tears for everyone. And I think that's it. Um, I'll let Mr. Reese go. I'll take off and uh, we'll see you on the next one later, everyone.